0: Hello and welcome to the Barry Trammell Show. We've got a very special guest today. SEC Commissioner Greg Sankey will join us to talk about the Sooners moving to the Southeastern Conference. First of all, we want to thank our sponsors. We want to thank Next Generation Roofing, Two Fellas Moving, Weedman Lawn Service, FireLakesJobs.com, Oklahoma's Ford Dealers, and Oklahoma's 988 Helpline. When it comes to Two Fellows, let's face it, a box of pizza and a case of beer just don't work like they used to. Nobody wants to help you move, but we know how Two Fellows love that moving. At Two Fellows Moving Company, we they offer free, no-strings quotes for your move. With over 20 years experience, they've pretty much moved it all. Their services don't end at moving. You need to do some remodeling or spring cleaning. They have you covered. With dumpster rentals and junk haul services, remember, quotes are free and there are no strings attached. If you're moving in Oklahoma, make sure to call the fellows. Visit twofellows.com for your free quote today. And now we welcome in SEC Commissioner Greg Sankey. Welcome to the show. And thanks for welcoming Oklahoma into the Southeastern Conference.
1: Well, it's great to be with you. It seems like it's been a long time in the making since the announcement in the summer of 21. And as we, we near the end of football season, it just uh, ramps up the interest in what's to come for us next fall. Next time we kick off, will be a 16-member conference with Oklahoma and Texas involved. So it's a pretty exciting future that lies ahead.
0: What what was it about Oklahoma and Texas that made you say, hey, this is going to be a good idea for the SEC? The one was their interest.
1: Um, I think first and foremost, you want people who want to be a part of your organization. And it's not like everybody who calls has the same reaction. Uh, their commitment to, to high-level college athletics within uh, a leading university context is consistent with what happens around our 14 members. I think uh, you begin there and then you look regionally. You know, we extended our geography by right around 100 miles total for most of our trips. Maximum, we, we shortened some, some you know, season-long travel for others. Uh, I joked with um, with Joe a little bit. I said, you know, we used to win softball and gymnastics here pretty regularly, and we keep finishing second. So uh, we need to invite you in so we can be part of that celebration again. But uh, I think that's a testament to how both of our new universities will make us better you know, the the thought that a rising tide lifts all boats is is real. And so we challenge ourselves regularly, and we're going to challenge our new friends from Oklahoma and Texas, and they'll challenge us uh, to improve um, as a league and as individual entities as well.
0: You mentioned the the geographic stretching, uh, 100 miles. It doesn't seem like that much considering what's going on in college athletics. Uh, How pleased are you that your expansion – has really maintained geographic sanity. Uh, border states, in the case of Texas, already had a school in that state. Right. Norman is about three hours, three and a half from Fayetteville. So were you pleased that you were able to expand the league like this, but also maintaining some, some semblance of, of geographic sanity?
1: Very much so. Very much a point of pride that, uh, again, we, we generated the interest from the two universities that, that they introduced. Um, that we kept our footprint um, in really a common sense framework. So we're not flying across country, we're not asking young people to spend four hours on an airplane, fly back to campus through the middle of the night after a tough competition. You know, we might get back late, but our cities are accessible. And then I I think uniquely we restore a lot of rivalries. We obviously have a bit of disruption, but Texas A&M playing Texas again, Texas playing Arkansas. People forget the importance of, of history that's present in that matchup. You know, Oklahoma and Missouri comprise one quarter of the old big eight conference. Um, and so they've got a history together. Those two wrestling programs even have a lot of history. So there's a lot that's, that's to be proud of. But I think the fact that we, we moved early generated a level of criticism, but I think has been proven to absolutely be the right decision, given what's played out since our decision in 21.
0: We're now two and a half years since that decision. Uh, What have you learned about the Sooners and the Longhorns in those two and a half years? Clearly, you did a lot of uh, research, did a lot of investigation. Clearly, you got to know them well before before the announcement. But what have you learned since then in these two and a half years?
1: A few things. One, I'll I'll start with my experience this fall in Dallas. I had literally, having lived in Dallas for 11 years when I was in the Southland Conference office and I was their commissioner for for seven football scenes, I would drive out of town, passing the traffic, traveling to the state fair game as I headed to a game in Nagadoches, Texas or Huntsville, Texas or someplace in, in my old conference but I'd never been inside to experience that rivalry. Um, And that was a wow moment for me. And and I see a lot of special competitions and and huge games. Uh, And we have neutral site games, but uh, the level of fervor in the Cotton Bowl Stadium uh, on that particular Saturday, not to mention what happens outside, was pretty special. So uh, that was like a, a, a live learning experience for me. Um, you know, going back and looking at the research, I, I spoke a moment ago about the rivalries and relationships that existed. Uh, now it seems like that's common sense. That would have been apparent as we started. But you do forget um, the history between some of our universities and our two new members in Oklahoma, Texas. So digging into that, um, the impact on their states. So obviously we've, we've lived with Texas A&M what they mean to the state of Texas, they have a, a colleague institution now being added to that. Uh, my my grandfather grew up in a place called Shoto, Oklahoma, so I was uh, familiar with the state and had observed from afar, because I have aunts and uncles who are Oklahoma fans when I was a kid, uh, their level of success through the 70s, 80s, and, and what they've experienced recently. Uh, but learning, I have a daughter who's a meteorologist, and learning about the impact of uh, the meteorology sciences that are present in the in, in on the Oklahoma campus and all around the Norman area, um, learning about um, the Oklahoma City um, and how that complements the cities we have here, just a, a short drive from Norman. Um, I, I think it, what you figured out is it's really a, a complementary relationship to who we are. I think the intensity of the fans, the expectations being high. You know, as soon as we finish this season, whatever happens with bowl games and football next year, instead of having 14 schools convinced that it's their year to win the national championship, we'll have 16. So that that's um, a common feeling is is what we've experienced and learned.
0: Well, let me say my dad is from Mays County, Oklahoma. Shoto is in Mays County. I know Shoto very well. So uh, that's a cool connection. Um, Let me ask you, what did. What will Oklahoma and Texas learn, do you think, about the SEC once, once they get inside that maybe they don't know now?
1: Um, I, I'll start with uh, a smile on my face. We have great destinations to experience, um, and I could go down the list. I think every one of our communities is pretty special in its own way, and uh, they'll be welcomed And then all of a sudden when we kick off, it won't be quite as welcoming. So I think they'll experience that. And that will be true in football, obviously, but it'll play through the softball season. um, So that's one. I I think second is there is a level of intensity that I think is very unique on a week-to-week basis. So as we speak, we saw just an incredible game in Columbia, Missouri, this past Saturday a few days ago from this recording, Florida at Missouri. 15 years ago, that game wasn't even envisioned being played. But it went right down literally to the last second. Um, and it, it showed you the intensity that is there week to week. And it's easy to see that in football. But again, as you go through uh, the fall and volleyball and, and in soccer, you transition to basketball, the intensity around our softball and our baseball, where every week it's high, high level, Competition. I think that is, and I mean this respectfully for other colleague conferences. I think that's unique here. I think it's unique in football. Um, and it's unique through the entire year. Um, there's a pride too that becomes instilled in people. Uh, I'll go to Texas A&M, uh, in Missouri, both when they join. Uh, when I made my first trip to college station, it was November of 2011. They've been welcome. In an announcement in September of 2011, when I went to that first football game, I was not the commissioner. I was in an associate commissioner role. Uh, The number of SEC logos I saw displayed in tailgating and in parking lots was beyond expectation because of that sense of pride that we're we're part of a unique group. And so I I would expect that same sense of pride uh, is being felt now because I've heard it when I was at that. OU o- Texas game, just the fans welcoming me to to them, their community, and, and uh, indicating let's get this thing moving as quick as we can, uh, which we've done. Um, I think that's kind of the special spirit that they'll experience as well.
0: You, you mentioned that we're around the Thanksgiving weekend. If you look at the SEC schedule, the SEC institutions, most of them have a uh, a traditional Thanksgiving week. Uh, game rivalry um Arkansas has sort of migrated from LSU to, to Missouri in recent years um Texas a and M, I I assume will take over with Texas on that weekend but there's about four schools that don't have one is it is it safe to assume that Oklahoma Oklahoma is, is one without Bedlam would that be will the Sooners just be migrated into one of those schools that sort of need a Thanksgiving partner we're, we're just a few weeks away from announcing the dates. So if you remember in mid-June, we announced
1: the opponents and the locations. We haven't announced dates. And so I'm going to, I'm going to hold a little bit of that answer, if you will. But I'm also going to go back to that Florida, Missouri example where, uh, we have this unique ability to develop rivalries pretty fast in this league. And so we we have some plans for 24, and we'll be at eight games for certain on how those last week matchups will play out without, again, giving anything away. So stay tuned. Um, and then we have a decision about 25 and beyond. Should we stay at eight conference games or move to nine? And the approach on the last weekend will vary based on the number of games we play. So maybe a little bit more flexibility on those season-ending games, whatever they are, uh, we know they'll be special. And, again, I could go back to any number of examples. I was at Ole Miss at Georgia, and the intensity that Saturday evening in Athens, Georgia for teams that don't play every year uh, was off the charts. And so we, we've got a number of opportunities to either match up what would be considered rivals or create these annual opponents that will in no time see themselves as – lifelong rivals, uh, quite quickly.
0: Is the, the, um, state of scheduling eight versus nine, it's been bandied about, you know, for a couple of years now, how much of that is tied in to just mystery about the new playoff format that you, you and Bob Bowlesby were on the committee that helped put that together. How much of that is just unknown about how that will all play out? Well, there's a piece of that, and we're we're living it right now. So we're recording on a
1: Tuesday. We'll see uh, the next to last selections introduced. We've got another Tuesday and then the final uh, selection. And so another year of information we decided would help us in our decision-making around uh, the number of conference games moving forward. Even though we don't have a a 12-team format, just another data set is helpful. Um, so this will be the 10th 14 playoff. We've run all kinds of analysis off of the previous nine. So one more was desired. So that's one. We also have programs that are interested in bowl qualification. And some of those you'll see, you know, you look at Missouri in the top 10 this year, they'd be right in the heart of a 12-team playoff conversation next year. But there's a building process that's taken place, or really a rebuilding because they made our championship game a couple of times early in their tenure here. And you want that. So part of it, Barry, is learning about the, the rigor of our schedule and its impact on accessing bowl games. Uh, we also have ongoing discussions with our media partner about the right way to, to configure our schedule. We're not being dictated to. That's a collaborative uh, point of dialogue. We also know from a non-conference standpoint, we've required... Um, a, a big-time non-conference game from all of our schools. And then they have different approaches to how they schedule uh, the remaining non-conference games. We want to be careful about decision-making around just walking away from some of those games, and that takes a little bit of time. So that's just a representation of some of the data points or are, are a couple others. Uh, but the, the short, yeah, you know, what happens in the postseason matters greatly to us. And this chance to learn and discuss a little bit more is enormously helpful in our process.
0: You mentioned um, talking about walking away from a from a rival. Whether I mean these are my words, not yours. Florida, Florida State, South Carolina, South Carolina, Clemson, Louisville, Kentucky, whoever. We've got that in our state with the Bedlam going away. Is is it a case of uh, the same thing that we've seen here in in Oklahoma? Is it possible that some of those traditional rivalries could be, could be sacrificed in the name of, of more conference games?
1: I think our history has indicated a desire to accommodate those non-conference in-state games, Louisville and Kentucky. As Louisville moved conferences, that in-state con- rivalry continued. Clemson and South Carolina keeping in mind South Carolina once left the ACC and they still play that game and uh, FSU in in Florida. One of the interesting ones for me is Georgia tech was a founding member of the Southeastern conference, but has had this long and continuing play with Georgia, even after departure, which is to indicate we've shown a a healthy respect for accommodating those games, knowing what they mean uh, to local communities. And we've indicated the same given the, the current transition, with Oklahoma and Texas joining us. Now, where those games fit um, would be a little bit uh, of a different point of conversation because you can't have an odd number of those games. But um, we're more than willing to be a part of that conversation should people want those games to continue. And, you know, I, 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 that one is for me to accommodate and for others to decide. How's that for a description?
0: It's good. That's good. Um, let's switch sports for a second. Uh, basketball here in, in big 12 country, Brett, your Mark has, has made a, a point of emphasis. He says he, he thinks basketball can be elevated in terms of marketability and profitability. Um, sec basketball has been very successful. Well, uh, well traveled in terms of the high, the highest ranks of, uh, of the NCAA tournament. Where is sec basketball in your mind? and is there is there potential for future growth in that sport
1: i'll I'll go back to my first year so uh, in fact i'll go back how about like to my college years in the 80s um i wanted to be a basketball coach and have a great affinity for the sport wanted to learn as much as i could in the 80s i can quote the coaching clinics i attended just trying to to exist as a sponge and learn more. And the games advanced so far beyond where, where I was. And I ended up in this athletics administration work. So, but I've always had an interest uh, in basketball. Uh, way back, I told you I was in the Southland Conference. We were a perennial 16 seed. We went through discussions about how do we improve our position from the bottom to a point where some, some teams in that league had won NCAA tournament games. When I I started as commissioner back in the summer of 2015, I knew we needed to change the discussion we were having around the culture of basketball, kind of the ecosystem is the cool term. Fast forward to March of 2016, one of the the low points of my time as commissioner, we only had three teams selected to the NCAA men's basketball tournament that year. Um, That's not the expectation we have for ourselves. So forget Comparisons to anyone else, forget, you know, economic impact. are just competitive expectations are well beyond having three teams selected in the NCAA tournament. And one of those three teams was in Dayton, just barely in as the third team. And so we went through some change because I think my responsibility is to make sure we have a foundation to support the success of our teams. On our campuses, uh, we invested in practice facilities, and coaches, coaching staffs. Fast forward the last couple of years, we've sustained the highest number of SEC teams selected into the NCAA tournament in our history. And as we add two perennial NCAA tournament programs like Oklahoma and Texas, yeah, we expect that number to grow. There is the opportunity for growth. This year, when I talk to people outside of my footprint, um, commentators, basketball experts, they tell me, that our competition, if everybody stays healthy, may be at the highest level it's ever been. Now, me saying that is like the commissioner is supposed to say nice things about his conference, right? But I think we're starting to see it as, as the season plays out. We're just a couple of weeks in. With We haven't won every non-conference game. We've performed pretty well throughout the league. you are always going to have some odd losses. Um, and, and we're going to be in a conversation about what does the future look like for our schedule? How do, we, how do we continue to schedule intelligently as a league in our non-conference games? We added a challenge with the Atlantic Coast Conference that starts uh, a week from now. So we're recording on the 21st, November 28th. We pivot away from our old Big 12 challenge into a new era with the ACC. I think that's exciting given their basketball history, given the time of year. Um, so I, I very much think on the men's side, there's a lot of upside. On the women's side, we've won the last two national championships. We bring Vic Schaefer back in the league. I've watched the investment that Joe's made in, in the Sooners women's program as it it uh, reasserts uh, itself from a, a, a strength standpoint. Um, so I, I'm actually excited about both our women's and our men's basketball as we go forward and think – uh, on both sides, even though we've won the last two national championships with two different teams, that growth will continue for women's basketball and for men's basketball.
0: Another sport near and dear to Oklahoma's heart is softball. You referenced it early. Sooners, of course, have a powerhouse program. Texas is very good. Uh, the SEC model for the conference tournament is to rotate it among the campuses. Here in Oklahoma City, we have the world's best softball park, home of the Women's World Series. Is is there any talk afoot about potentially uh, putting the SEC tournament in a in a locked location, uh, in, in particular Oklahoma City? Yeah, we've um,
1: in our footprint we we've traditionally not had facilities as nice as our campus facilities. So I think one of the things that uh, our new members will see as they travel around, uh, we have outstanding softball facilities, and so. Part of our philosophy has been to, to honor that, that investment and bring people to different places over time. Um, from where I sit, it is absolutely a reasonable and appropriate conversation to talk about, um, a continual site for uh, our championships. And given what's there in Oklahoma, we've, we've kind of waded into that knowing there's some existing relationships. But I, I think long term that that needs to be a central part of our softball conversation.
0: Lastly, let's talk a little bit about Greg Sankey. Uh, raised in uh, raised in upstate New York, uh, been to uh, to university at a variety of places, including Texas and and uh, back east. Uh, tell us a little bit about your road. You became the Southeastern, I'm sorry, the Southland Conference commissioner. Uh, sort of in my mind, a meteoric rise to to one of the most influential people in, in college athletics. How did you? How did Greg Sankey get here?
1: Yeah, um, it's uh meteoric may be a way to describe it. And I tell people uh, when I speak, so young young students uh, in college settings, we have volunteers I'll speak to at our championship game, I see. One of the realities you have to think about is you see me now. So we're on a Zoom. You can see my office in Birmingham, nice place, a lot of mementos. You, you don't see me then. You don't see – when my wife and i had been married eight months and we moved from utica new york where you know my first job was where we lived when we got married uh packed up everything we owned in a budget rented truck and drove from utica new york to natchitoches louisiana where i was a 500 hundred dollar a month intern and you know the movie steel magnolias had just finished filming in natchitoches and we were kind of thrown right into that culture um I think Kathy, my wife, would agree we just passed 35 years of marriage. It was the best thing that could have happened to our relationship and, and ultimately set me on a course of answering a question that that, that Kathy and I had discussed in early uh, 1989, which is, I wonder if I can work in Division One college sports, and if I can, how far might it go? And it's gone pretty far. Um, you know, part of what made it happen is, the ability to, to take some risks, you know, the, the cliche is to bet on myself, to bet on ourselves, um, to say, I wonder if I could work in a Division I setting. You know, Northwestern State University isn't, isn't exactly at the top of the competitive heap, but allowed me an opportunity to go someplace where I could, could learn and grow. I uh, did that for a few years, moved to the Dallas area, worked in the Southland Conference as an assistant commissioner guy named Britt Benowski, who's in Oklahoma, his dad was president uh, back in the 80s, um, was a, a friend and a colleague who eventually became their commissioner. I followed Britton when he went back to work for the Big 12 when it was first formed in the mid-90s. Uh, I became the Southland com- commissioner. I was 31 years old. You probably uh, shouldn't appoint a 31-year-old as a Division I conference commissioner, but the president's. Uh, of that league had enough confidence in me it allowed me to make decisions live at the end of the hallway so to speak uh make mistakes kind of off broadway uh one time traveled to Stillwater to watch uh northwestern state play oklahoma state when les miles was coaching there my first my first trip to austin was a uh, an invite at the invitation of meeting the lost dots i had a sister-in-law and her husband who lived in norman when he was at an air force base nearby so it gave me these great experiences when I had taken these different roles. Um, and then, oddly enough, my predecessor here, Mike Slive, we were in, in the old NCAA Kansas City headquarters at a reception in 1997, and he asked me to tell my story. And when I got to that Utica, New York part where my first job was at Utica College, strangely enough, Mike Slive, the seventh commissioner of the Southeastern Conference, was born and raised in Utica, New York which is about an hour, hour and a half drive from where I was born and raised near Auburn, New York. And so that developed a a friendship in the late nineties. He and I worked on some committees together. And one day in the summer of 2002, he had just started literally working in the office I now occupy. And I called him because I was interviewing for the Conference USA commissioner's job that he had vacated. And I said, Mike, you know, what, what's going on? He said, I don't know what's going on with my old job. I've got enough going on here. And he said, by the way, I've got an opportunity, a, a position I need to fill. Would you have an interest? And it, it was a hard month. This was back in um, in the summer of 02, early fall. You know, should I leave Dallas? My two children were born there. We had great friends, went to a church, loved the work I did, kind of leading to come here as an assistant or associate commissioner, dealt with compliance issues. and. Um, you know, stayed here, had some opportunities to leave, almost left a couple of times. Um, and, and really towards about 2010, 11, uh, just wondered how things might play out. Just decided to be patient is one of the lessons. Um, and, you know, we went through a search in the fall of 2014. Sadly, Mike was diagnosed with cancer that he had, he had fought before. Um, announced his retirement, went through a search and I took over in the summer of 2015. So, if you go back to the beginning of that story, Barry, I could never have predicted I'd be in this role. In fact, uh, my wife and I were married the first weekend in November, which you don't do if you're going to be the commissioner of the Southeastern Conference. That's like Alabama LSU weekend, typically. Um, and then the willingness to really step outside my comfort zone, to ask a couple of questions about what what opportunities do I want to take? Where do I want to be? Have a bit of vision? Uh, take chances never put money first i typically would leave a job for less money because that new job gave me the chance to learn and grow uh you know tried to be patient probably wasn't always patient but patience ended up uh paying off and and now i'm uh, hopefully successfully going to finish my ninth football season over the next couple of weeks as commissioner of the southeastern conference and um that's a great honor and as i said before um Asking the question was literally in February 1989 when, when Kathy and I were talking about what, what might lay ahead. And I said, I wonder if I can work in Division One college sports and, and if I can, how far might it go? You know, I've done a pretty good job answering that question.
0: Well, you talked about uh, finishing nine SEC football seasons. I think it's you've either finished 41 or 43 marathons. 41. Forty-one marathons. Um, that's a world that's un- unknown to me. Let me ask you a question: When you're running marathons, is your mind is your mind just racing and you're and you're fixing all the problems uh, that afflict the Southeastern Conference or college athletics, or able or are you able to check out when you're yeah, when you're I, on the roadway?
1: Yeah, no, that that's a really important question for kind of why I run. So I've not. Had the time to train for a marathon since I've been SEC commissioner. That, that's a pretty good time commitment. So most of those were between about 2005 and 2012. Um, and I did it because it was, there was mental therapy. So obviously cardiovascular fitness, but to just go run, sometimes just turn it off and get lost in your own breathing and the, the sound of your feet on the trail or the pavement. Um, look around and see what's happening around you. Um, So I would do that. Sometimes I would assign myself a task, and I ran three and a half miles this morning. Um, I was listening to a podcast about some of the congressional activity on on funding the government and, and thinking through what that means as we end up on Capitol Hill with a level of frequency, how politics plays into some of what we do. Um, and, and then there's other times where I just pop on YouTube and hit the playlist and go. Um, but I, I think at the center of all of that has been the ability to get outdoors. I don't run indoors on a treadmill, even in bad weather, um, and to breathe deeply, appreciate what's around me and kind of separate from the rest of my day. I think for me, that's been healthy physically, but also healthy mentally and emotionally.
0: Well, fantastic! Well, Greg, we sure appreciate you joining us. Uh, great opportunity to get you get to know you a little bit better, get some of your perspective on this uh, this strange new world of the SEC that the Sooners are about to embark upon, and we look forward to working with you as uh, as Oklahoma joins this premier conference of college athletics.
1: Thank you, very. I appreciate the invitation and the conversation, and uh, we are excited about our future. I think the move to sixteen. Um, will just magnify on each of our campuses and collectively as a conference who we are, what we do, and the young people who choose to be a part of it. So I'm, I'm really looking forward uh, to the next few years that are ahead of us.
0: Well, thanks a lot. And remember, join us next week for the Barry Trammell Show. Go, go to uh, YouTube, Apple Podcasts, anywhere you get your podcast, Spotify. Get on there and subscribe, subscribe, subscribe. We will talk to you next week.